Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome to this episode of the Noble Pursuit Podcast, hosted by your boy, Anthony Spain. On today's episode, I am joined by coach, colleague, Trey Brufy. Um, Trey and Trey and I go into this conversation and we chat about gut health. We talk about some misconceptions. We talk about foods that you can implement to better your gut health. Um, overall, this conversation revolves around what we can do to build awareness around the gut um, because the gut is where everything begins. We want to get better sex hormones, want to get better um, thyroid response. We just want to feel better, look better, sleep better. A lot of these things actually stem from your gut. So this is what Trey and I dive into during this whole conversation. Um, if you guys want to go support your boy, as per usual, you guys can use code SPADA at morphogennutrition.com to save 10% off all supplements. I would really appreciate it. If you guys do enjoy this episode, subscribe to the podcast. Go follow us on Apple and Spotify. Leave us a five-star rating and review. And if you do enjoy this episode at any point in time, Trey and I would gladly appreciate it if you guys share on your Instagram story that you guys are listening. Tag both of us. Our Instagrams are down below in the show notes. So let's waste no further time. Let's get to this episode. Let's make you the best version of yourself possible. Let's welcome on Trey Brufy. I need to start doing all that. Like I can relate. Yeah, uh, that'd be that. Yeah, <laughs> but in and of itself. So um, I kind of wanted you to get you on. Obviously, we're gonna talk about a little bit about some gut health things, and because I think there's a lot of misconceptions, um, a lot of ways that people can more effectively go at the gut um, that I specifically started to work through and implement into my plans, and I think. I kind of want to go over just like a few things that you see as like just some common misconceptions when it comes down to actually handling gut health because there's so many of these things like you have to do a protocol, you have to do this, you have to do that. Um, what are some of the common like misconceptions that you normally see when it comes down to that? We can dive into that further. Okay. Um, honestly, man, I think it's just like we're not thinking from a multifaceted approach at all so like we're always like oh they have SIBO let's throw candy backed in AR and BR and it's like okay well first of all that costs like crap ton of money for most people second of all what things can we be using that would cover more than one basis so like that's how I'm thinking about it so like if we're looking at like a SIBO case um, I don't think of like hydrogen and methane dominant I really don't because it really just depends on when you catch it yep. regardless you're gonna use something for methane and something for hydrogen yep and then if they have hydrogen sulfide, then yeah, you'll use like bismuth or something like that. Um, so I think like that's a good example. So like, let's say like when we got someone, hey, I've got GI issues. I might hypothetically have SIBO or anything, but I also have cholesterol issues. Cool, allicin would probably be a good option there because allicin's gonna help with the lipids. It's also gonna work on the methane if we hypothetically had that. Um, let's say they have blood glucose issues, then maybe I opt for like a berberine. So, like, you see what I mean? Like, that's where yep. we can get it a little bit more multifaceted. Or, like, let's say someone has, like, H. pylori, and then they have some other broad-spectrum bacteria, but they also have high thyroid antibodies or thyroid issues, like cumin seed oil, because it's going to work on antibodies. It's going to work on H. pylori. It's going to work on broad-spectrum bacteria. Um, if they have more, like, cognitive issues, that's going to help as well. 
does some remodeling of the brain. So like that's what I see most of us, not most of us, but a lot of people struggle with is they're just picking one thing that only does one thing, doesn't yeah. do anything else. So they end up on 30 different things when I would challenge you to say instead of that glutamine and then throwing them on vitamin C for immune support and something else, why couldn't you just go a colostrum? That's going to work on the gut line, the immune system. It's going to have lactoferrin in there, which is going to be antibacterial, antifungal, anti-inflammatory. It's going to modulate iron. So like that's kind of what I see most people struggle with. It's that is the first thing. The other thing is, is they're kind of just going in there and throwing 30 different killers. Yeah. And they don't even know what the hell is doing what. And they're yep. not thinking about like when you're making these plans, especially at least the way I do it. When you're putting these things together, it's it's you want to think about what is everything doing together collaboratively. It's not like it goes back to that multifaceted. But like, let's say you're doing like a prepping phase, and you're I'm just going to start using examples. Let's say it's lots of inflammation. They have maybe H. pylori. They maybe have um, some other bacteria issues. Probably in that beginning phase, you're probably going to use curcumin to bring down inflammation. Yep. You're probably going to use like a SBO ultimate probiotic. So a mix of sac B and uh, spore base or bacillus strains. And then you're probably going to use something else in there. Like maybe like say MCT oil. It's going to help with biofilms and bacteria as well. So collaboratively, all those things independently aren't doing just one thing and doing a no, great yeah. job of it, like on their own, but all together, you kind of already taking care of everything. So it's kind of like going like the minimum effect of a dose type of thing. So I'd say that's the other thing I tend to see. And then the other thing is we're too focused on the killing aspect. Yes. That we dive head first into killing when it's like realistically, some of these people might need to spend just three months of healing before we even get to that killing. Yes. Part. So I might have someone in a prepping phase for three to four months and it might be because either A, they're very prone to Herxheimer or die-off reaction, or B, the habits are absolute garbage, and we've got to spend that time doing that. And that's where you see some of my people will end up being a protocol for an entire year because we've got to spend time in those phases um, versus just thinking, okay, I have XYZ issue, I'm going to be on a 12-week protocol, and I'm magically better. And that whole protocol is nothing but killers. It's not doing anything else. So those are the kind of things I'm seeing most of us are missing is it's kill, kill, kill. It's pick a bunch of random proprietary blends or pick only one thing that does one thing um, instead of being more multifaceted. Um, and then not thinking about how all of these pieces maybe independently isn't doing much, but each one is a puzzle piece and we're building that picture, which is going to create healing for the client. Those yeah. are kind of like three things I see the most common. Yeah, I think the big one that I wanted to touch on actually that I normally that that I've started to recently do, and it's more just like changed based upon looking at you and kind of like learning from these things and learning from Austin is like a preparatory phase. I think this goes so unnoticed when it comes down to it. Like I now have like a basis of questions if someone comes into me and they come to me with gut issues and I know they do. Like I'm like, I have like six questions that they have to answer and it has to be like all yes to go like right into a kill phase, right? Because right. there's some people, hey, if you're a bodybuilder, those things, most likely your habits, et cetera, are all aligned, right? right? But if I say like, hey, is someone able to consistently hit their nutrition for like 12 to 16 weeks? Like that's a question. It's like, 
hey, are they able to get sleep consistently or do they know how to actually perceive stress right? That's a question. And it's like, okay, can they, do they have the mental wherewithal, right? Are they in the best place mentally to go through a kill phase or a strenuous phase of this nature? Because of just like, there is no end date, right? Like you said, it could, it could last a year, right? Um, so I have like these basis of questions that when people come in, if the answer is no to any of them, we have to go into a preparatory phase. And more so, I do with every athlete anyway, but the length of time that they spend in there is what's determined by where they're at with their lifestyle habits and everything. Because like you said, they need, they need those there to be successful within it. Because you, uh, I think so many of us have been taught that we haven't been taught like what to actually work on in the beginning and that you should take anywhere from at least four weeks to 12 weeks spending time just, hey, focusing in and like just giving some basic gut lining support and actually increasing like nutrient diversity and like maybe starting to like get rid of like some biofilms that you know are in there because it's pretty easy to tell if someone has like <laughs> those symptoms. But if they have that stuff, you could start to address that. Like in those phases, that's what I do. I start to address like if we look at like a GI map and people don't need to take this, but per se, someone's not digesting as well. Most likely they have some sort of like enzyme production or anyway there. So I'm like, let's just increase their digestive capacity in that, in that state and get them there so that their body is responsive, right? That's what I call, that's what I think is the goal of the preparatory phase is not just to like nail down the basic habits and everything, but it's just like get their body to be responsive when you do go into that kill phase because so many right. people won't be successful because they don't have the tools and they'll feel like and they'll feel like crap because they finally started to remove the biofilms like while they're attacking everything rather than starting this process a lot smoother and kind of like weaning into it rather than just like hey don't don't need to go like brute force into it and right with right. it yeah, and, and I do something similar. I'll give credit to Dave because Dave is the one mm -hmm. like in 2021 or 2020 who's put me onto it. Um, and I think the biggest thing is like I do the prepping thing with everyone. It yep. just depends on the length. So <clears throat> I'll go. I'll do something similar as you. I'll go off of like their symptoms. I'll go off of their call. If on the call, I can see how they are and they have tons yeah. of trauma and shit. I'm like, okay, we're going to be in this for a period of time yeah. just so you know. Um, or I, I get a lot of clients now from – other coaches where they've tried to help them and it didn't work. And they're just like, Oh, they have constant diarrhea the whole time. They feel miserable the whole time. Or, um, Berzikot sent me a few of his people to do the same thing for him. Cause he was doing the same stuff that we learned from Austin. He wasn't getting the results that he thought he would that ultimately like everyone needs to do that prepping phase. It's just the length is different. Mm -hmm. And think of it as if you're building a house, if you just focus on, putting up all the nice furniture in your house, but you don't build the actual foundation and the walls and everything else, the next storm that comes through is going to destroy all of that stuff. It's the same thing with the gut. Like if you don't go in there and work on the gut lining, work on the pan of cells, the stem cells and work on the actual like deep layers of the gut, it doesn't matter what you do in there because you can kill off everything you want. It's just going to come back. Um, so that's what I like to use. The way I do it is kind of like habits phase, I call it more of a heal phase now. So it goes habits, yep. heal, kill, heal, relapse, prevention, uh, or maintenance phase. And then we go into what their goal is. 
<clears throat> more like focus on their goal. We can still do their goal the whole time. Like there's still ways you can train hard. You can still go to failure. You just got to do a much lower rep range, much lower volume, pull back on cardio, stuff like that. But then we can actually start to be like, okay, now it's time to bodybuild. Now it's time to wedding prep or whatever your goal is. That's when that time we can do that. Um, and you think of that prepping phase as like, okay, I'm bringing down inflammation. I'm building the gut lining. I'm getting the immune system going. Um, I'm really big on working on the stem cells and the panic cells because if you get the body's natural protection, protective mechanisms going, it really, honestly, it really doesn't matter if we don't actually kill everything. Because if you get the body naturally doing what it's supposed to do, it's going to take care of itself if you give it time and you don't mess yep. around. Because in theory, like, I know everybody's like, oh, gluten's bad, blah, blah, blah. Gluten is bad. Like, I'm never going to, like, say hammer gluten all the time. But if you get your body's natural stem cells and pan cells to do its job, when you have that gluten and it damages the mucosa and the gut lining and things like that, the stem cells and everything are meant to repair that on its own. Yep. So that's kind of what that prepping phase is. It's get that in set. And even in that prepping phase, you can kind of sneak in some things that will kill bacteria. Yep. And for a lot of these clients that might i might see some crazy shit on their gi map and if i see tons of co-infections right there we're going to spend a very extensive amount of time in that prepping phase we might actually go like 12 week prep six week kill and then four week hill and then maintenance but even in that prepping phase you can sneak some things in that will kill like uh, a lot of people are like oh probiotics for gut health it's like okay that's not going to do anything to populate the gut like i'm sorry you can take a billion kajillion probiotics it's not going to make it to the gut. You have to eat prebiotics to get there That and food. That's the only way you're going to populate it. But think of things like sac B and clostridium and um, spore-based or soil-based bacteria as things that's addressing the symptoms but also addressing the bacteria. So, like, that's an example there. Think of how you can use different food sources and sneak that in the diet to work on things. So, like, if it's parasites, okay, we know they have issues with fats. We know we have issues with digestion and they have hypothetical parasite that's just flagged. It doesn't mean we need to focus on that parasite, but it maybe isn't helping them. Why wouldn't we do something like fresh squeezed lime? That's going to help with bile because of the delimiting in there. It's going to help with gastric juice and digestive enzymes, but also lime juice has been shown to work on malaria, which in my opinion, if it works on malaria, it's going to work on any other parasite. So like, that's an easy thing. We can sneak stuff in there and not actually be in a direct kill phase. And that's where, again, where we think about how some of these healing things can actually help and kind of correct the microbiome where you might run into some people that we know damn well they need a kill phase, mm -hmm. but we don't even want to talk to them about what you have. Just be like, hey, you have some stuff going on, we're going to work on it. All I want you to do is focus on just healing right now. And I might not even explain to them what the test is going on. I might not even get on a call. I might be like, hey, looks like some things going on. Don't stress about it. We keep doing what we're doing. And I might not even talk to them about what SIBO is or Candida. I might just sneak some things into there because I don't want them to look into that stuff, start stressing out about it, or thinking they have to change something. So that might be a way where I start sneaking in some of that stuff. They may not get fully better, but they're going to be better from day one. Yeah. And those are also individuals that probably need extensive coaching and not just come to you for a tw quick 12-week gut phase or whatever and leave. They probably need to be with you for a couple of years just to make sure that they don't go back to what messed them up in the first place. Um, so I agree 100 percent on that. I think that really is a key point that everyone misses. And I feel like it's more so here in the States. Yep. Um, 
because other countries I'm not seeing that with as many of them I talk to. It's specifically here in the States. It's like kill, 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 or God forbid you got this stupid hybrid crap now where everybody's hammering antibiotics and hammering herbs and thinking, oh, we're hybrid approach. We're going to get better in four weeks instead of 16 weeks. Okay, but you didn't work on the habits. You didn't work on the gut lining. You didn't work on the body's like actual like stem cells or self-owned um, mechanisms to take care of issues itself. Um, but yeah, that's I would say that's, again, that's the biggest thing most people miss. Well, I think the body can work itself out more. Like I've seen this before where, you know, I've done this now, I think two or three times now with people where we've mainly just like, we haven't used any like antimicrobials whatsoever. And we've kind of just stayed in there, you know, at it, like ended up just adding like a probiotic, which normally isn't good, but we like match it with the diet, obviously. And then like, we just started working in some higher FODMAP foods and they're, and like the inflammation just drops and they go from like being like pregnant belly to fully flat without having to go through that extensive protocol. Because I think most of the times, and you probably agree with this, most of the times we're getting people, you know, that have been, they've been dealing with this for multiple, multiple years, typically. And it's like, okay, it could be really bad. But sometimes we get people that have been through those protocols right before that have done this and they're just tired of it. And you're just like, well, let's just simplify this. Like really, like really. And that, and that ultimately, I think what works for me and I kind of, and I kind of phrase it in this term, I just get them to trust themselves. You know, I think a lot of the times when we, when we see gut issues, right. Um, I find that it stems from people more so being like afraid of certain things or how their body is going to respond because they have, they have been there. So when you take that stress of like, okay, we're just going to go like onto this meal plan here and see how things go. And then you start to sneak in like different foods just to see how their body responds. And you're like, huh? and you don't tell them why you're kind of like, you don't purely tell them why, like you kind of said, you kind of just sneak it in and be like, Hey, we're going to start to diversify your diet just a little bit and kind of make it more like a positive approach. Not be like, Hey, I'm going to add in these higher FODMAP foods to see how you respond to this. Like, I'm, I'm kind of gone away from that. I'm just like, normally these people like trust you at this point to really kind of make the decisions there. So I find that that's like the biggest thing though, is for them to trust themselves with food because it's like, right. if they get to that point, like you said, the body kind of works itself out. Now there are people, like you said, that do need those extensive, those extensive cases, right? There's always those, but if I can get someone down to at least have like, you know, a flat stomach, like it looks like, like, you know how much that helps, like just confidence and being able to be like, okay, I can actually do this. Like mindset goes a far way when it comes down to, to gut health that most people don't look at it. Like they're, they're look at it as you do. It's just like, Oh, I'm just going to kill this off in X and I'm going to get back to competing or I'm going to get back to growing as I need to. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. I was like, I was like, yeah, you got to take your time with this and make sure that like mentally you're in the right place because these things will come back and reoccur. hundred percent. Like relapse is going to happen no matter what. Like, and a lot of people, they just become SIBO Sally or Candida Casey. They literally become whatever issue they think they have and they constantly run into it. And it's all because of the negative thinking. It's like, I always use the example, it's, uh, is it Dispenza? Uh, he's one of the psychologists or something out there. There's a, st- there's a podcast out there 
uh, I can't remember which it is, but he talks about it, and it's like a guy was, it was a guy or a gal, they are diagnosed with, like, stage three or stage four liver cancer, and was told, like, hey, you're going to die, you have a limited amount of time, whatever, and they stress the whole time, like, oh, crap, I'm dying, like, this sucks, I'm miserable, person ends up dying, they do the autopsy, they didn't even have cancer, it was a false positive, and the whole time they are fearing that they are dying, that that's just, like, an example of, like, how negative thinking and constantly stress you're yep. killing yourself like that is what it is because at the end of the day if you can learn to mitigate your stress and you again you can't remove your stress it's physically impossible there's no way to remove it like even working from home and not ever having to leave the house and having way more money i would argue my stress is worse now than it's ever been but it's all about perception like it really is and then honestly excuse my language just learn to say fuck it like if you don't control it fuck it there's nothing you can do about it Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot to that. And I really do think there's a powerful thing to be in positive and how you approach things. So it's, it could be like this, like uh, let's, let's say someone ha- hires us and like, Hey, I have GI issues on my tests. I have this candida stuff and blasto or whatever. Um, I, I can't eat anything. I feel like crap. Like, cool. Well, I appreciate you reaching out. Let's get started. Blah, blah. And each update they're like, uh, I have to take these supplements. I have to change my food. I have to change my training. I can't work out like I used to. It's like, well, why don't you just reframe your thought process? Why don't you be like, I get the opportunity to work with a coach that has my best interest. I have the ability to buy some of these supplements to support me. I have the ability to go to work and work a nine to five and bring food home. If you just think about that and you're changing it, I'm willing to bet you you're going to start feeling better. And that's that's the other side to when it comes to any coaching, but really with the functional stuff that some of us do now, it's really just reframing your thought process. It's just stop mm-hmm. being such a negative Nancy all the time and just reframe it to some more positivity. And I promise you, once you do that, if all you just do is you just take whatever you're saying, and I do this with people's uh, check-ins, is I'll take their negative comments, I'll paste it. I'm like, well, why don't we reframe it this way? Like uh, a good example is like, I have a gal that's really overweight and wants to have a kid and she's not having any luck. It's like, oh, I have to do these fertility tests. I can't get pregnant. It's like, cool, why don't you view it this way? Why don't you view it as, hey, it's a blessing right now that you're still alive given how bad your health is. It's a blessing you have the opportunity to work on that and you get the opportunity to make you healthier. So when you do have a kid, that kid is healthier and that kid has the best shot at life versus like, ah, my life sucks because I can't have a kid. And it's the same thing with GI issues, hormone, bodybuilding or anything is no one's forcing you to do this stuff. No one is. You get the opportunity to do that. And it's up to you how you want to view that opportunity. Um, So I think that's the other missing key here is we forget we're coaching people. We're not protocol coaching. doesn't matter how good our protocols are if they still have the shitty negative thought process or something else I tell everyone to lean into is lean into spirituality. I ask everyone like, what is your spirituality? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in this or that? And some might tell me, Hey, I don't believe in God. I had someone that said they were God. And I was like, okay, well that's different, but that's fine. (laughs) And I tell everyone, no matter what you believe in, all of us, no matter what our beliefs are, we kind of all want the same thing. We want to love everyone. We want to be happy. And we hope that we have a successful, happy, safe life, no matter what your belief is. 
but I highly recommend everyone, that's the other side of it, is lean into some sort of spirituality because there is a healing aspect to that. And your spirituality literally could be, I'm going to meditate and journal. Cool, that's your version of spirituality. So I think that's where the mental side of things comes to it and the mental side of actually wanting to feel better versus just wanting to be some miserable person all the time and just wanting to identify as I'm sick. Because I'm sure you get people like that all the time. They just want to identify for what their negatives are versus identifying some of the positives that they have in their life. Yeah. I mean, like, even, you know, I finally just got done a kill phase myself. Like, I'm just coming out 20. I did it for 20 weeks. Like, I'm like, fuck. Right? Spent five months in this thing. And it's just like, you know, I got the, I was feeling great. And then, like, two weeks before I did the first GI map, things started going a little bit south. And, and so I was like, mm. and so we did the second GI map and it didn't turn out great. So it's like, okay, another eight weeks of being in here. And I remember the first, the six weeks out of those eight, it was miserable. It wasn't getting better. And we were just like, Mark was just waiting for me to have like two good weeks of like good type four bowel movements. He's like, I can guarantee you, this is all just mental. And honestly, like I, I accompanied that mindset, right? When I had that second GI map and it wasn't great. Like I had a parasite and I had a few things that still were off. It's just like, it does down your, your mood there and that can affect you for a while. And it did until I kind of was like, I need to stop like thinking like, why me here? Like it was very difficult, but then I just started getting back into like training. Like I, I like, cause I wasn't able to train because of like surgery recovery. So I wasn't able to train as hard. And honestly, I've been training harder than ever. And I'm still like, like, I'm training four days to failure and like in my repop phase and I'm like feeling better than ever. Like my digestion staying regular because I was able to just say like enough was enough, but I also understood like how, how to regulate that stress right now for most of us, you know, most people don't know how to perceive that right away. So a lot of the times it is doing a lot less in the beginning, but the body is still pretty capable of doing some pretty hard things during this phase. I think a lot of people, like, it's great. I think it's a, hey, if someone's willing to, like, not train, <laughs> like, you know, four to five, six weeks during this phase, I'm like, cool, let's go at it. Because the, you could probably sure this up within that time if you decide to not train. But most people can't do that. But most people think, like, oh, I can't do these things. Or I need to, like, do that. And I kind of reframe it as, okay, well, what, what can we do? Like what activities outside of the gym would you like to get into? And this is where I, this is where I always ask them like, Hey, what did you do as like a kid? Like, seriously, like, what did you do as a kid? Were you like building Legos? Were you going outside? Were you doing like dance classes? Like, what were you doing? And they and they'd be like, they'd list off the activities. And I'm like, let's focus in on doing those and maybe less of the gym. Like let's focus in on steps and doing those activities because most of the times it's some sort of physical activity that isn't a pure stressor and it won't be considered a stressor to them because they're going to go and they're going to reignite their childhood memories out of this. And it's like when we were kids, right? If we look, if, if we look at this as, as like, we think about it, we go back to our younger selves, right? When we're like 10, 11, 12, we in no way had all these gut issues, right? No one had gut issues. Now, why do you think we didn't have gut issues? Well, because most likely we didn't have anxiety about anything really we didn't really care right and we ate anything we wanted and we were physically active a ton yep. right like i think that's what causes a lot of these things like you said it's like one most people 
are, are sitting at a desk and they're worried and they're staring at screens all day, which we do the same thing. But like after this podcast, I'm getting, I'm getting the F outside. Like, I don't care how cold it is. I'm going to go walk and get some sunlight here real quick. But it's just like, and then like move. Like my athlete, my one athlete actually sent me a message that she's been really successful in this kill phase. Um, and even beforehand, even in the preparatory phase, we spent 12 weeks and she dropped like 13 pounds in that phase because she learned to be, she said something that was really interesting. She said, be in your body and not in your head. Right. And I think that's so crucial to, to crushing this phase is you're not focusing in on what you're confined to as well. I think so many of us focus in on, I got to bring these supplements anywhere. I got to eat these certain meals. I got to do these things. And I'm like, well, what can you do? Like, like, let's free, like make the, they make the protocol everything when yes, it is a protocol. It needs to be stringently hit, but it's more like finding a way to still do activities around that. So you could still live life. Like it's not taking away anything. You just automatically find yourself into it and everything right. and such. They automatically associate with negativity. Like, mm-hmm. come on, like taking your supplements a few places, that's really not that bad. Like <laughs> there's way worse shit out there. People are homeless and dying right now. Like that's ridiculous. Um, I agree. I, and I have a lot of people, I'll say the same thing. Like, what do you enjoy as a kid? And they're like, ah, I don't know. It's like, okay, maybe you're like me and was a, lived a miserable fucking childhood and didn't have any hobbies, but we need to find a hobby. And almost every single one I have this conversation with, it's like, well, my hobbies, walking, working out, listening to fitness podcasts. It's like, cool, that is not a fucking hobby. It's not. <laughs> fitness. I don't want you doing anything with fitness because you have done nothing but identify it because everyone uses fitness to overcome some sort of trauma or negativity they had in their life. Mm-hmm. I'd be willing to bet, I'd bet a great deal of money that more than 90% of all of us did not pick it because we love working out. There was something that caused us to get to it. There's some sort of negative. Even if you did sports, Maybe you got into working out because you sucked at that sport. At least that's what I did is because I sucked at the sport. And I was yeah. like, I got to get stronger and bigger and faster. Um, maybe you're fatter. Maybe you're smaller. Maybe, I don't know, maybe your parents withheld food and you want to eat healthier and feel better. It doesn't matter. But that's the other side of it is finding what you enjoy and identifying as things. And just you, the analogy you used was being the body, not in the head. That's a great analogy. Like, I'll give you your client credit. Like I might use that personally, but um, <laughs> that's what I said. I said, no, I'm going to use that on the post. I was like, can I use that on a post? <laughs> right. Yeah, like that's, that's a great analogy. That, that, that is true is, is that, and it, again, it comes back to that identifying as this where are like, okay, I'm on, cause I have everyone tell me what week they're in and whatever phase. Yep. Cause I, I'm not going to keep up with it for you. Um, and they're like, okay, I'm on week eight of eight. Great can't wait to be done. We're going to just get back to have a bodybuilder. This is how he is. He's a national level guy. He's like, okay, I'm going to get back to, back to blasting drugs and orals and I'm going to get back to eating 6,000 calories. And it's like, cool. Well, guess what? When you finish this, I will see you again in the next three months. And I'm sure I'll see your wife again when she's reinfected with the same issue because y'all are just passing this crap back and forth. So I hope this 16 weeks of us working on everything was worth your time just to get sick again. That you realistically like there's a million things to this. It's not the protocols. It's not anything else. It's, it's holistic. And I'm putting, I'm going to be putting together like a uh, presentation on this. It's like, 
when I think of holistic, most people use like the H, it's H-O-L. Think of whole, like spelled out, holistic, W-H-O-L, because it's everything. Yep. It's not just gut line, it's not just kill, it's not just nutrition and training, it's life, it's happiness, it's spiritual, it's everything as to what heals you, no matter what the issue is. And that's probably the biggest thing I try to preach to everyone, is think whole, holistic with everything. It's not just what Anthony and I give you for like a protocol. That is really not anything. It'd be the same thing if you're a bodybuilder. The PEDs is not the base. The PEDs are the sprinkles. The protocol is the sprinkles. The base is all the stuff you're doing every day. That's how it is. And that's how, at least I try to approach it. I know you do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So now kind of want you to go into a little bit of things that people can, can do at least like nutritionally to start to better their gut health. Cause I think also like I want to kind of go away from just like focusing in on just supplementation and yep. doing all this because it, like I said, it can be very basic and most people don't nail the nail, the actual, like even this, even the food part of it. Um, and what needs to be, what can change with most people's diets and then like go into all that. So we can definitely dive into some nutrition stuff here. Yeah. So I know the common thing is go low FODMAP. I'm not opposed to that personally. I will do that because they'll automatically drop inflammation. They'll feel better and like, Oh, you fixed me. I'm feeling better. And we get progress. That's kind of like a buy-in thing to just get them feeling a little bit better. Cause if you yep. get them filling in a little bit better, even if it's 1% better, they're going to view you as a God and they're ready to keep going. Like that is something I'm going to do with most people. Um, then I'm going to start trying to sneak in some higher FODMAP foods. I'm going to see what I think would they would do well with. Usually it's going to be fruit more than anything. Yep. Maybe it's going to be like blue uh, blackberries or um, apple, but it's a small amount. I'm going to put just enough in there that at least would benefit them Yep. before we get some sort of side effect. Um, other things like really like use these oils like everybody's like nuts and all this crap like really use these oils with fats because there's so many benefits with some of these like coconut oil it's uh it's antibacterial it's antiviral it's antifungal it's an easy one um mct oil same thing can't help with biofilms because like okay cool we got two oils right there that could work you've got ghee or grass-fed butter that's gonna help with butyrate think of butyrate with butyric acid think of butyrate as like fuel for the gut lining that's an easy thing we can put in there um look at something like how can we introduce some probiotic rich foods again i'm not a fan of like taking probiotics from the sense of feeding the gut and i know a lot of people like disagree with me that's just my personal belief especially based off of studies and what i've seen um how can we do this and what's probably the easiest thing to use with them that they're not going to have a side effect? It's not kombucha or kimchi or sauerkraut. I opt for like goats or sheep's products. So like goat yogurt or sheep yogurt. Very easy thing we can put in there. Why? It's going to have the least amount of lactose. They're probably going to feel okay with it. They're not going to have any issues. It's pretty good on probiotics, but it's also going to have a lot of lactoferrin in there. Yep. It's going to be antibacterial, antifungal, modulate iron, modulate inflammation. Um, it's also going to have more selenium. So if you notice someone has thyroid issues, cool, we can implement selenium in there via diet versus yeah. using a supplemental selenium, which at that point the body competes for the selenium in the first place. We get more from goats and sheep's products. So like that's another way we can build it in there. Um, the pineapple thing, that's going to have bromelain. So yes, that could help with protein digestion, but if they have a histamine issue, I'm probably not going to go with 
pineapple in the first place. Yeah. If we know they struggle with histamine. What else? It could be like slow cooking all of your meats in bone broth. That's going to give us glycine and collagen. That's going to help with the gut lining. So that's a very easy thing that you might not have to even add anything with that person. It's just like, cool, I just want you to slow cook all of your meat. Um, I don't care what meats you use. It could be game meats. It could be full chuck roast with the bone and everything. I don't even care about that right now. I just want you to get these healthy building blocks to rebuild that gut lining. Um, and then other things could be like manuka honey. That's an easy one. Like that's antibacterial. It has some antifungal properties. Um, if you do it before bed with chamomile tea, that could help with sleep because um, we're refilling liver glycogen levels and liver glucose levels. And then the chamomile tea can help with thyroid inflammation and sleep. So that's kind of how we can start sneaking stuff into there. And I already mentioned the apple cider vinegar that could support stomach acid. You, it could help support blood glucose levels. Um, you put in the lime juice, it could be help with bile, it could help with gastric juices or digestive enzymes, anti-parasitic properties. That's kind of how we can build nutrition to leverage that. And now it's like, okay, now we got the specific client. What does this client need? Are they more constipated? Yes, cool. Probably want to lower that protein more. Yep. For anyone, I would lower the protein in the first place. Like females, I will lower it to like 90 to 100 grams. I don't really care. You'll be fine. Males, like even that men's, that men's physique pro helped, we lowered his protein like 185. And he's 200 pounds. I really don't care because he's going to have some carbs in there that are protein sparing. They're going to be on PDs. They're already sparing protein. You're not going to lose muscle. So like that's one thing I'll do. But it's like, cool, I'm constipated. Then let's do the kiwis with the skin. The studies show it in itself. It's just as effective as laxatives. Let's um, focus on fluid. Let's get you going to the bathroom. Let's maybe increase actual fats. Sometimes I can get the bowels going, especially if we opt for more like um, coconut oil or um, MCT oil or something like that. That could help them get going to the bathroom. So like that's kind of how we can use food to our benefit um, there versus just thinking supplements the whole time. There, yep. There's a few ways you can do that. And um, the other things would be like, maybe it goes back to whatever condition they do have. If it's maybe H. pylori, probably going to go lower protein because they're probably going to have a stomach acid issue in the first mm -hmm. place. If it's like candida, I'm definitely going to go lower carb and a little bit higher fat. I would say for the most part, I tend to go lower protein, lower carb, and a higher fat approach with all GI issues. Yep. And then I will stick with easy digesting carbs around the workout. Rice, yep. buckwheat products. Um Rice cakes, cream of rice, basmati rice. Um, I'll have them rinse their rice to get the heavy metals. I know you're going to lose some nutrients, but it's really fine. Like seriously, <laughs> you should have a diverse diet in there enough that you should be right. that you should be good. I think I think the lower protein thing is so underutilized here. Yep. Like especially from the case of hey, we're not going to be training nearly as hard either. Like, do you really need 1.5 grams per pound of protein? Like 1.5 right. grams per pound? Absolutely not. Right. I think it, I think if you really want to get in every single female that I've done that lower protein approach, like I've even gone down in severe cases, right? With H. pylori, I've gone down as low as like 75, 80 grams of yep. protein. You go as low for as them. like, like you go as low yeah. 0.75 grams per pound. And you and, can even do lean body mass. Yeah. And you're going to, and you're going to use things like bone broth anyway. They're just going to aid you to get that protein because it's so low that your, that whole meat sources would be minimal and your digestion is going to kickstart anyway, just from, just from that. Like it's short things like these that even if you didn't go into the protocol right away, it's understanding how you could fluctuate someone's nutrition 
and macros to really kind of get them the response that they need. Because most people are pushing way too much food than they absolutely need. And I'm okay with, you know, I think people need to understand as to why we kind of push fats a little bit higher. I like to push them. Obviously, we need to maintain some homeostasis. Like, like we're not just using it, but like, again, we have the benefit. Majority of the time, I'm using like coconut oil or MCT oil, right? I'm not really, I'm not going too diverse with it there. It just depends. But if I'm working someone, it's just the easiest for people to kind of get and easiest for people to enjoy. Um, But like, I get that benefit of like the caprylic acid in the coconut oil to do those things. And it goes a long way for people when you just change their macros. And I've just seen so many people do benefit more from that lower carb response. And so like, like I will take most and like, it's funny, because like, I've had a few coaches like ask me to go over like gut things with them. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do like 80 to 100 grams of protein. I'll do like 100 to 120 grams of carbs. And I'll do like 80 to 110 grams of fat. And they're like 80 to 110 grams of fat. I'm like, yeah, I was like, you, I was like, yo, you put their body with that much and use the right sources. I can guarantee you that gut's getting better. I was like, Like, I was like, no doubt. It's so like crucial for like inflammation and stuff. It's, and I think the only people you really tend to get that gripe with, like on the protein thing and, and, the less carbs it's all the bodybuilders because mm-hmm. lifestyle people don't give me any crap if i'm like listen <laughs> you will feel better just trust me and the bodybuilders are like well i'm hungry and i need protein it's like cool dude you're 190 pounds why are you eating 400 grams of protein in the first place yeah seriously you don't need that much you forget that carbs are protein sparing in the first place um so i think like that it's just like again there's so many ways you can leverage food like pomegranate juice great for inflammation great for infection infection if you actually type in like studies pomegranate juice they used it uh for c-word patients virus patients or whatever and it showed how effective it was against that virus so like again there's so many ways you can leverage things before you even introduce actual protocol yeah so is the protocol even needed i think that's the that's the ultimate question that we need to get to as as a as a coach itself it's just like, okay, so you know on paper, looking at this GI map, they have these issues, okay? How do I get them, how do I get them to fix it? And it's just like, you just have to know to learn, learn the human, right? Learn who's in front of you, learn what triggers them and those things, and you will solve 90% of the issue. And it's you like- do that, man. Like, I mean, you're not, we're not even touching like natural flavoring and all the dyes and crap people use and all their foods and all the volume eating they're doing. There's so much, different stuff that you can use because realistically even if someone did need a protocol they mentally can't do it it's not going to work also if they cannot afford it It sorry you're not going to be able to do it and and i get some people now and it sucks that they're like hey i ask everybody like what can you afford a month and i'm realistic when i go through their stool test i'm like i'll be very frank with you you're probably looking at 250 to 500 a month on supplements i'm sorry but you probably are looking at that um, I will always shop the sales and send you like, uh, I always use iHerb because you get like 20% off. The <laughs> yeah. And I have some clients that have like wholesale accounts for stuff. So I'll just do what I can and ship it here and then ship it to them. But like, again, like if I get some of these gals or guys are like, Hey, I can only afford 75 a month. And it's like, cool. 75 wouldn't even cover your, um, magnesium I'd use in cod liver oil plus a multi because you have multiple multiple deficiencies and we're only limited to what we can get with food Mm -hmm. it's like cool then maybe we don't even go near that because they're going to be so financially stressed it's not going to work in the first place so that's it there's so much to this 
that I really do think food could be the key for a majority of people, at least to get them going. Yeah, food and habits. And, food and habits is the key. Yes. <laughs> yep. Food, habits, stress perception, and uh, working on that positivity and just not identifying as your issues. I promise you, with time, you will feel better. It, is it going to be 12 weeks? Probably not. I'll, I'll be very frank with you. Like, if you're getting chronic, like, yeast infections, I'm sorry. Like, we can do what we can with food. You're probably going to deal with that for a bit, for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just going to be what you have to do. But I'd be willing to bet each week or each month you're going to feel a little bit better. And then you'll be fine. And, and that's just how how some people, you have to approach it. You, they might not ever be fully better to what we want. But again, that might not be optimal for them to feel fully better. Well, isn't that, that's also like, that's also the expectation that we have to put out there as a coach. We're like, hey, like, do you want to be a bodybuilder, right? Do you want to step on stage? Like, just knowing off seasons, most likely you're going to get to a point to where food is going to be an issue where, you know, like I've chatted with Austin about this. It's like for guys who are trying to step on stage and you want to be 200 plus pounds, like on stage, it's like, you're going to push food and you're going to get into GI issues. Like it's just going to happen. You're going to diet. You're mostly going to get into GI issues. So like after every single phase, no matter what we do, like if it's not like a health phase and we're like dieting and get you lean to a point to where, Hey, you can grow better. It's like, all right, uh, we're going to have to handle the gut. And so like, that's something that I just learned from Austin about it is like, he's like, yo, anytime you get like a bodybuilder using PEDs and doing all these things, he's like, you may as well just use those eight, eight to 10 weeks that you're going to be in a health phase for and just run like a mini like protocol in a way and just like clear right. things you can do and clear very, things down and just use like yeah, gut defender like like yeah you can use broad spectrum like antimicrobials and like a biofilm that will be fine right and and so i've just done that actually with one of my guys and he's like it's phenomenal so far and i'm like yeah. good and now i'm like cool we're probably gonna have to do it again right before you prep which is absolutely perfect because i'd rather get that inflammation down which is going to make it easier to prep in the first place <laughs> so so it's just like it's really interesting to see like how you can approach these things because if their goal isn't to step on stage my goal is to get them functioning enough to be like hey can you handle like three to four days of training okay can we get the body responsive enough to handle a small amount of fat loss within a period of time right like I think that's also where people go wrong. And this isn't even just particularly like gut health related, right? There's always going to be something off on your GI map. Like if we're being honest, you're not going to be the perfect. testing. The testing is not hundred percent accurate, right? In the first place. No. I think people well, need think to know that PCR tests. Like we have PCR tests for viruses that say oranges got your shit. So like, why would a GI map be perfect? There's so many, like, if you just look at H pylori, think about how many different strains there are. You're not going to pick up everything. It's no. not. And like even some of the ones I've got, man, that I've thought were going to be the worst ever, and they're absolutely spotless. And it's like, cool, we can do something broad spectrum for you, but we know where the issue is. It's here. That's the yeah. issue is it's here. And you're fearing that you have something wrong with you still, that the testing isn't perfect. And even if you get it clear, that there's so many missing links there because you're catching it in a screenshot in time. And it's like, like if it's like parasite, like you depends on if you catch it in the life cycle. And again, you got to remember, we're not looking in the small intestine. We're not, you're not, you're not identifying SIBO or CFO at, in a GI map. That's where the no. symptoms come up. That's where labs come up. So it's never going to be perfect, 
But if we can get you living day to day, feeling pretty good a majority of the time, having decent stools probably like 85 to 9% of the time, we're doing pretty damn well. Yep. And if the only thing that you're dealing with is when you have a little bit of gluten, you get a little bit bloated, that's fine. I would argue most of us get that because we weren't meant to eat that type of stuff in the first place. Like we weren't. So if that's your one issue, great. If you have maybe one or two foods or a handful of foods that you can't do, but the majority of all other high FODMAP foods are fine, I would argue that we're doing a pretty damn good job. If you can still lose body fat, put on muscle, feel good mentally, sleep, and have all your normal day-to-day function, who cares if the test has like one or two little fucking overgrowths? You're always probably always going to see strep or staph elevated on there. You're probably going to always see something be slightly off. It doesn't mean you're jacked up. Like it's normal. Like it's ebbs and flows. That's exactly why. That's exactly why. For example, why we did the second GI map, and then when I finally had two good weeks of bowel movements, we just got out of it. Right? Like it's like where where's the person at there? Because ultimately, and you've probably seen this too as well. When we get people coming out of these phases, like specifically out of the kill phase, and you drop those antimicrobials. They get so much better so quickly because you're, because, you know, if you put those in there and yes, it's always great. Like, Hey, if something's a little bit off on the second GI map, fine, we'll, we'll extend it just a little bit longer here. But you know, once they get better off that, it's like, you're going to get better taking all those out because you're not going to have anything killing anything. And it's like, and they're like, and ultimately what I see is, you know what, you're going to get out of a kill phase and your immune system's not going to be great. Like you're throwing a lot at it. You're throwing a lot at your liver. You're throwing a lot at these things to try to make it like good. Whereas we're trying to get the symptoms down enough. And then in that repop phase, like you're going to switch it around. And I swear things will get better as you start to move that forward. And you're going to feel great because you're like, finally, I'm done off these supplementations. But it's like, but it's just like, but physically they'll just feel better coming off all that stuff. And, and they'll be in a much better place. So like, I think so many people like to freak out about, Hey, if those things are off, but I'm like, is there a need to, because I know some of these things are going to improve. Like if your immune system function, like your secretory IgA is a little bit high coming out of that, well, your good bacteria is a little bit low. So it's like, we probably need to up your good bacteria. So once we throw in, you know, what we need to throw in and we increase the diversity in your diet, things are going to come back and they're going to regulate back out here. So it's like, yeah. do we need, like, do we need to do these things? Like, yeah, but like, you're going to just better. stopping them. You're going to feel better. And, and if there is, if we do worry that there's something caught possibly like straggling along, then why don't you just throw in something that's multifaceted and that's going to correct it and not have negative ramifications like pomegranate husk. That's going to help rebuild the good bacteria. It's going to work on sex hormones. It's going to work on biofilms. It's going to work on, yeast, parasites, bacteria, cool, why don't we just throw something like that in and throw in a lactoferrin and call it a day during the repop, and they don't need to even know that. We can just say, hey, we're doing this to rebuild uh, microbial diversity. You don't even gotta tell them all the other stuff, because there is, that is something you could take for a year straight before you see anything negative. Same thing with like a Lorisidin or a Monolorin. Those are things you can put in, and if you wanna keep running it in there, that's fine. Like that's a really good relapse prevention thing you could use, or, if it's like bodybuilder going into a growth phase, you could probably sneak in a little bit of berberine, which will help keep them long. It's yep. help with blood glucose, help with lipids and stuff that you don't have to run it at a, like a, I do 3000 milligrams a day if it's like a protocol, but they don't have to run it that like that. You can do like 500 twice per day and 
call it a day that you can kind of get get once you get those antimicrobials you should feel good and i don't even most of the time i don't even test again i test once before if they're responding well we do a symptom assessment we see things are great yep i really don't worry about it because most people are not going to test again because here's why if they test again and they see something is still slightly off they're going to say you did a shit job i am not better why did i just spend the last six months doing this it's like listen they're the test isn't perfect. It's not going to pick up everything. It's also super sensitive as well, so it might pick up something that's not a problem. So, honestly, I don't go near that. Yep. Because if they're feeling better, we see some good things going on, then we're fine. And then when we do labs in another 16 to 24 weeks, see some improvements, like, cool, we're off to the races, and we just sneak some things in there and go on our way. So that's at least how I approach it. You do the same thing. If you do that and address everything, your goal just take some time. Um, probably wise for most people afterwards, probably once a year, you might want to do some sort of like little repair type shit. And then expect anytime you're doing anything that's getting you out of homeostasis, you might hypothetically run into an issue, lose body fat, put on muscle. Um, homeostasis could be, I got a job promotion and I am super busy and works crisis. Crazy. You're out of a normal homeostasis in terms of stress and workload always expect that something could hypothetically come up again it doesn't mean you've relapsed or had some bad issue think logically what face you're in yep you're pushing food you're pulling food if um, i have a girl now she thinks she's got SIBO again after she did like five rounds of antibiotics before me at like two thousand dollars a round like it's ridiculous that people would pay that and she got super stressed and she's like, oh no, I can't go to the bathroom and I've got reflux. And it all started just because she drank one day or whatever, got a little bloated and mat and she became SIBO Sally. You didn't have your issue. You're just identifying as your issue and think logically. That's, that's the other part is think logically, stop being in that emotional brain, be in your logical brain for a second. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's what I would do. And that's how I approach it. Yeah, I think one thing that actually happened to me, and an example for this is uh, someone got a, one of my athletes was doing great. She was like phenomenal, right? Fully flatlined stomach, used, didn't really do too much, right? And then all of a sudden, one food poisoning incident sparked a whole cascade of things for like four to five months. And I'm just like, <sighs> it's like, cool. But now like two weeks back, she's like fully back onto it, fully back hitting her diet managing her stress investing into like a therapist to do that work and it's like she's already dropped like three pounds but it's like three pounds of inflammation to where her stomach's starting to get flat again and i'm like right. do we even need to like like do i even need to run look at what the gi map like i did another gi map just to kind of be like hey what's actually going on because i didn't have an answer for five months and i was like this is tough to kind of figure out and i'm like cool rely on testing a little bit to make them like understand the ramifications if you don't get your stuff together that's right. that's also like you know, I don't use testing to kind of like scare an athlete, but like sometimes it does take that. Um, and I'm not saying it's a great strategy, but when you see, but you know, like it can be utilized as a way to just like prove your point too, as a coach that these things are off and they need yeah, to it be, can be proving a point that you have this issue yep. or it can prove a point that you don't have anything you're, wrong, that you're mentally that involved. everything is just in here. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So yep. what are some, what are some just like, I just want to end it real quick. What are some good things that people can do? just to ensure that they keep good digestive health. Um, I think it goes so far amiss when people are just like, like we're talking about protocols, protocols, supplementation. 
Whereas I want you to just dive into just like a few habits here that people can do to like even just prevent these things from relapsing uh, to making sure that they yeah. don't come back if they do. So a lot of it's going to be the same crap everybody else says. Like, yep. take time to chew your food. Like, <laughs> please don't count your chews. That's so. When I see coaches say, "Hey, chew, you need to chew your food thirty times," it's like you are ridiculous, dude. Like you're stressing me out. Just think about that. Just be mindful of your chewing. Um, take time to chill out before your meal. It literally doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be some ten minute meditation. Just take the time. Take a few deep breaths. If if you pray beforehand, pray. Think for the meal my spirit whatever everybody does maybe it's doing that put you in a calm environment take the time to chew your food um i I would say the other thing is the mental side of thing so like if you are someone that has past trauma it's probably wise to work on that and keep working on that keep working on that self-care self-care for everyone's different i i I have so many people that do it differently i do it differently i'm sure you do it differently for yourself that's the other thing uh diet is the other big thing. So like if you are someone that struggled with XYZ and you know, like let's say you were alcoholic and you know that's why you ended up with yeast issues or fungus issues, it's probably wise not to binge drink anymore. It's probably wise to actually start addressing your habits and start being an adult and not a college student or a teenager anymore. So maybe you need to avoid or limit what you would normally do in the first place. And maybe in your diet, have some of these healthy things. Think of your diet, don't think of it as I tell everybody this, don't think of it as a physique thing or anything like that. Think of, I'm trying to be a healthy individual. I'm trying to have longevity in my life and I want to feel good. And think of your food as that. Um, again, we talked about some of the foods you can include. Yep. Do that. Um, other things would be like hydration and whether it's electrolytes and water, or just water with lime and salt and some magnesium thrown in, that's fine. This is some other things. Um, and then the other thing is like, maybe know when you need to pull back and, and that could be in anything like if it's training if it's work if it's anything learn when you need to pull back and learn i try to teach everyone know when things are going to come up that would probably cause you an issue you need to address that. it's especially that's especially a big thing with like ibd clients or anyone that's have uh epsom bar like be aware when things are about to get stressful you need to communicate with me if you're still working with me. If you're not, then you need to know. You probably need to pull back on certain things in your life because there's certain stressful events that are coming up that's going to cause a flare, whether it's a reactivation of EBV or a flare-up of whatever IBD condition. Those are a few things. And then um, the supplement thing, I mean, I like for some people to keep some things in there yep. periodically. Um, I, I'm not a fan of abusing like glutamine year round, but I, I think just cycling things. Maybe they do one month on, one month off of uh, zinc carnosine. Maybe they do colostrum some other months. Maybe they do BPC some other months. Or maybe it's like once a year you're going to do like a little eight-week phase, just getting the gut lining in checked, get the stem cells in check so, it's nat- so our body's natural protective mechanisms are doing their thing. Um, and I would say those are the things like, the rest is like basics you should be doing, like sleep, chilling out, um, taking time to chew your food, hydrate. It's daily lifestyle habits that you should have as an adult. And I know a lot of people when it comes to like fixing their gut, they're like, oh, I want to get back to eating pizza and stuff. It's like no offense, like, and I hope no one takes offense to this. You're eating like a child. You really are. Like you realistically, the days of eating fried food all the time and cheeseburgers and uh freaking chicken nuggets and crap like that 
that stuff should have ended after you're 21 or got out of college and got a big boy or big girl job. That <laughs> should yeah. should have stopped. That maybe you just enjoy that every once in a while. That I'm not saying don't go enjoy food, but start eating like an adult. And an adult would be like steak and potato or chicken and potato and veggies or salad or something like that. Is start acting like you're a grown adult, and don't act like a normal American adult that eats BS 24 seven. Because if you think about it, that's usually where things start. They end up eating like crap all the time. They drink all the time. They're st- chronically stressed all the time. That then it's just creating a whirlwind of things. And I think if you do all that, you shouldn't run into issues. But if you are someone that had an issue in the first place, you're going to have a higher chance of getting that again. You yep. just are. It's yep. kind of like the same thing like with me being a past drug addict. I know there's a lot of things that I can't do because I'll get addicted to it. That's why I'm addicted to my work because I know I have a very addictive personality. So there's certain things I avoid because I know the chance of relapse of getting addicted to drugs again is a very high chance of that. It's the same thing with disordered eating habits or GI issues or anything like that. Just know you have a better chance than you or I to develop that issue again, that that might be a possibility. And then the other things maybe keep in mind is if you travel, might not be a bad idea to take have some things on hand for gut lining yep. and some probiotic support. So maybe like when there's times you're traveling, I usually will tell people take the ultimate GI repair from Level Up. I'm like, hey, I want you to take that while you're gone. Probably take that a couple weeks after, and then maybe take uh, a mix of Sac B and Bacillus strains to correct the microbiome. And just so you prevent traveler's bug or food poisoning or whatever else that can kind of keep it in line because you never know like when you're traveling think of that as stress if you're going out of the country it's a high chance you're going to come back with something that leaves if you're doing that you're preparing it and that's not something you need to do year-round but maybe if you have the tendency to go to mexico or something like that or just out of the country maybe that's something else you do so that's kind of like the things you can do most of that people already talk about yep but i think the key thing is finding what your root cause was and make the changes and figure out what it was in the first place. It could be um, job. If your job is super stressful, you might need to take a step back and be like, is this really meant for me? Is the money I'm making really worth how bad I feel or the chances of feeling bad again? You might have to rethink some things. And I've had some people that have left jobs. And when I left my job, that's a decision I made this job was not fulfilling anymore. I couldn't, I had to pick between the two and leave to do that for my health. And I would tell everybody else the same thing is maybe you pick and choose your battles based off of what caused it in the first place. That if you do that crap, you take time throughout the year to maybe address some things, you'll be fine. You don't need to stay on a probiotic year round. You don't need to stay on gut healing supplements year round. Maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea for someone to maybe do that like maybe zinc carnosine majority of the year maybe glutamine on and off throughout the year colostrum on and off um it depends that might be at least a good thing they could do to keep the gut lining in check because in theory if you keep the gut lining in check and the natural the body's natural mechanisms you should be fine it really is it's kind of like think of the body as like the force or the mothership like if we're like in star wars and we're like the mothership or whatever they call the freaking big spaceship thing like if you're in that it doesn't matter how much damn lasers and shit we have in there to protect us it's the exterior because if there's holes in the exterior then we're gonna blow the f up or robots can come there and kill our ass like it's the same thing with the gut if you theory keep that in check 
you really don't have to worry about it. Like if you have parasites, it comes symbiotic with us. It's all about the terrain. You keep the terrain in check, you're going to be fine. It's with your house. Or you, there's so many different analogies with that. Yep. That if you just make that gut lining and your natural, your body's natural mechanisms in check, in theory, you shouldn't run any issues. You might have some off and off things that come on. But it'd be the same thing if you're looking at blood work. It's all ebbs and flows. That's life. That's the beauty of our bodies. It's it's ever-changing. Um, but you can do a pretty damn good job without having to live off of supplements the rest of your life or thinking you got to do some protocol 24-7 or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing I want to do is if you are if you are a bodybuilder and you're doing enhancements in those things, stick away. We talked about it. You already talked about it. But stick away from like the fried foods and those things. Like I'm not trying to demonize anything, but you're already inflaming your body. <laughs> like let's be real. You're already putting it in an inflamed state to begin with. You don't need to add to it even more. Like to, to truly be honest. Foods, you can make healthier versions of all those foods. It's oh, 100%. We do air fried potatoes and burgers and stuff at the house all the time. And I feel fantastic. I even oh, I feel amazing. That's my free meal. That's usually when I wasn't right. in my gut protocol, that's my free meal. My free meal is two, two ninety six four burgers, a little bit of like fat free cheese or like goat cheese. And it's like two gluten free like buns or whatever. And I'm like, good to go. And you're like, wow, There's this the is great. Yeah. Like you can still enjoy that stuff. It goes back to this. It's the same thing when people say they're bored of the foods. You're not bored of the foods. You just have sh shitty culinary skills. And you don't want to actually learn <laughs> how to cook. If you work on like basic life skills, just know how to cook. There's so many YouTube videos and TikToks to learn how to do that. You can enjoy those same foods. If you like ice cream, well, now you got the creamy thing. There's so many things that you can do to enjoy the same foods that you don't have to go have the normal everyday crap that's out there and really take the time to look and see what's in there. And you're gonna see that my biggest worry with a lot of things isn't really the gluten, it's all the other processed crap yeah. that's in there. There's a reason why most of our stuff in our foods is not legal in other countries. There's a reason why we're the most sick country, I would argue, in the freaking world in the first place, and it's because of our food quality. Like, I think you made a post about this. It was like, um, or maybe I saw it, uh, you posted on your story, you're doing a mentorship call where you're talking about the importance of taste. Yes. Um, with digestion. Again, like you could make a really good, like one of those free meals and make it taste really good, as good as like five guys or not. As long as it tastes better, I'm willing to bet it's going to digest okay. So like as if you learn your culinary skills and improve there, you can kind of enjoy that stuff. And there's so many ways to have fried foods. We are in such a like advancements now in the world that you can practically enjoy most of this stuff. It's just going to take a little bit more effort from you to not have that convenience factor. The yep. convenience is this, is we have all the tools and you have the tools of the internet to learn how to do that. And you have the convenience of a lot of us having the time to learn that stuff that you have a phone in your hand. You can always learn something. You're just not having, you're just having to actually work and do something versus go through a drive through or go sit at a restaurant yep. that you're right with the fried foods, but again, you can enjoy that stuff. You've just got to put some effort into there. Just like you put the effort in to feel better. You've got to put the effort in on the outside to enjoy those things, enjoy life, that type of stuff. So you don't run into those issues again. Yeah. Um, it doesn't even just have to be fried foods. It's anything. Um, but that was, a, that was a big thing. That was a big thing. I was about to add that you already added. It's like make the food taste good. I was like, that goes so far for digestive health. 
Like, I'm just like, why do you think, why do you think people digest a burger and fries and they wake up the next day, like three pounds less? It's, it's because it tastes so damn good and it digests so good. And I'm like, that's it. So, so like, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, number one, and, and educating some people. I, I learned a lot too about some supplementation, actually things that I need to take note of. (laughs) So, so I think that that helped me and even adding in a few products that I've even, or a few like foods I haven't even thought of using when it comes down to it. So I learned quite a bit here. Uh, My last question, I got two last questions for you. Um, One, the noble pursuit, obviously it stands for becoming the best version of yourself possible, right? That's the most noble pursuit in life, I believe. What is one thing that people can do to really become the best version of themselves? Is your podcast off limits with things? What do you mean by off limits? Is there anything that's off limits to talk about on the podcast? No. Okay. Then this is what I'll do. I'll use me as an example. I, I said the spirituality stuff. I don't care what you believe in, but... Lean into that. A hundred percent. I grew up an atheist and hating God. And my wife is very Christian and believes in God. I was the guy middle finger to God and was like, F you, why is my life so miserable? If I were to look at the biggest change between uh, 2022 when we moved into our house to now, and like with the business blowing up and things just being so much better in my life compared to what it was years past, that was the change. I randomly stumbled and got into a Bible study by complete fucking accident. Like I had went to uh, somebody's house, of one of our neighbors, because I live in like almost like a retirement community. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Do the snow. I pay for it because I don't want to do any of it. And they needed help with uh, putting up uh, a, a truss, like you know, the big part of a roof, like you got to put yeah. up. I didn't know what the hell that was. I thought it was like a chest or some shit. And I'm sitting here working. My wife's like, hey, um, such and such wants to know if you can come help. Because I have to help all of our old-ass neighbors lift stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So okay. Yeah, cool. Walk over there and flip-flops and shorts and crap. It's this <laughs> big-ass roof thing. I'm like, what the hell? And we, and we about die like, because Wendy put it up. And my wife had already asked, hey, do you want to go to a Bible study? I'm like, no way. Not interested in that. <laughs> Sorry. I'd had so many bad experiences with churches and stuff growing up and all the worst people I ever met in my life were churchgoers and they'd be nice. And as soon as I come out of church, they'd be the worst human beings I've ever met in my life. And it just like traumatized me. And we finished that and they said, Hey, like, would you like to come in? I was like, no, I'm good. Y'all have a good time. I got work to do. Um, that type of thing. And they're like, well, no, like, do you want to come in? We won't judge you. And something was telling me to just go in there and trial it. Cool. Go on the first day. It first of all, I cried for like two hours and it was just like a big relief. It felt like a therapy session. And then something just changed. And I can't tell you what, but I can tell you my life magically changed the more I leaned into God on my end. But again, everyone has their own beliefs of who their higher power is. If they believe in that type of thing that I really think, at least for me, that was the biggest change. And I always don't push it for clients. I just tell them whatever your belief is, Lean into it. I really think there's a healing aspect to that. And I always use me as that example because um, I'm not this person that pushes everyone to like believe in God or anything like that. But I can say, coming from someone that was naturally an atheist and absolutely hated whatever higher power that I thought there was, when I made that flip and started leaning into that spirituality and leaning into what my beliefs were, my life did get way more positive 
my actions improved. Some of the very like toxic things I would do really changed. It really strengthened my marriage. It strengthened my relationship with family, friends. It strengthened my relationship with clients and stuff. I think that is really a big thing to that, that I try to tell everyone to do is if you lean into that spirituality, I promise you, like, there's so many amazing things that can happen. It's not to make this a, like a religious podcast because that's a business. I don't believe in that. But I really do think if you lean into that, that's a really good thing you could do. And it's that and mental health. That's the other thing I lean into. I was doing therapy three to four times a week for months. Now it's more like once or twice a week. I can tell you doing that, doing the uh, the EDMR therapy or EMDR, whatever the phrase is, doing that with the paddles and addressing my past traumas was so much key. It, it was so helpful. It's made my life so much more positive. It's allowed me to show up better for all aspects of my life. That those are the two things that I'm telling you, you work on mental health and spirituality. Really, the rest will fall in place. I I agree. I've I've started to as well. Like this year, like last year, I started to like halfway through when I kind of moved up here, um, and it started to just address a lot of my a lot of my inner work. Like really started to address it, and I was like, my life got so much better because of it. But also, I want to add one thing here for most people because I did put out a podcast recently about it is just learn to like spend time alone with yourself during that process is like actually take the time to like be with you and figure out who you are. Because if you, if you do that, I guarantee you one, you're going to find a path with fitness and everything that actually works for you and whether that thing is for you. And I a hundred percent bet your internal health, <laughs> whether that be labs, whether that be gut health will always improve from that. Um, you love yourself. It really yep. fixes itself. Definitely. It really is. Most important thing. Yep. And so last question, probably the easiest one, the day for you. Where can people find you? Um, where can people reach you if they need to, if they want to get in contact with you? Uh, you can do email, training at gmail.com. Um, Facebook, uh, just Trey Bruffy, and then Instagram at training. Um, you can see me on a lot of Austin stuff. Um, if you reach out to any of us at Integrated Muscle and Health, we'll get you taken care of. Um, I, I don't know how soon you'll post this, but we have a webinar on Monday that if any of y'all want to join, just um, go to mine or Austin's page. And um, there's an email on there. I think it's like imhoffice at gmail or something like that. You can jump on that. I don't know how long it'll be, but you have that. And then we have a a lot of good things coming up with like seminars and stuff that hopefully we'll post. Um, and then we do our team live. So if you ever see any of that stuff, literally reach out. Um, I'm all for um, shooting the shit with all of y'all, but I, I would say Instagram's the easiest to reach awesome. out to me. Um, awesome. Well, if you guys yeah. did enjoy this episode um, and got something from it, Trey and I would appreciate it if you guys tag us on Instagram, share it on your story, share this with a friend, um, probably learn something new. Uh, Go subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating and review. Um, go follow on Spotify, Apple, YouTube. That's where you can find me. Um, if you guys want to support your boy here, you guys can use code SPADA at morphogen.com for 10% off all supplementation. So you guys just took one step further on your pursuit to becoming the best version of yourself. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you.